Lord God, we thank you so much for this time. I thank you for these beautiful women that have come out today to hear your word and to hear just exactly what you have for them, Father. It's such a blessing um, that we still have the freedoms to come and be together to open your word and to honor you and glorify you. And I just ask, Lord, that with the time that you have given us, that we will spend it in glorifying you, Father God. Thank you so much, Lord, and uh, to you be the glory and honor now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are in um, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. So turn there, and we'll read 1 Peter 4, 1 through 11. And everyone that's been up here, they've always, <clears throat> they always have to preface this with the therefore. So we have a therefore. The therefore is therefore from chapter um, 3 that we just read in verse 18. So 1 Peter 3, 18, that says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, for the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. So let's read our verses 4, 1 through 11. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So let's begin um, with chapters 1 and 2. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Christ suffered for us in the flesh. Jesus was fully man, but fully God. 1 Timothy 3.16 says, God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. Because Jesus was fully man, he can relate to the temptations that we may experience because he himself experienced the same. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. We are to arm ourselves with the same mind as Christ. 
The word arm in this verse gives us a military imagery to be ready to battle persecution or suffering that may come our way. In order to fight the good fight successfully, believers must take on the same mind of Christ. Jesus knew how he would have to suffer for the salvation of man. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. For Matthew, that was from Matthew 26, 39. We should have the same attitude of Christ and be ready to suffer too. When we deny our fleshly desires of pleasing ourselves and pleasing the world, we take on the obedience of pleasing God and cease from sin. Not that we will be sinless, but that we will sin less. We've heard that from Pastor Jim. Romans 8.8, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And Luke 9.23, then he, Jesus, said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Verse 2 tells us that we no longer should live in the rest of our time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. So how are we spending our time? Are we filling our days pleasing ourselves, pleasing others, or doing the will of God? When we look back on our day, can we find eternal value in the way we spend our time, or is it wrapped up in the temporal? We know that God has given us time. He created time. But we can fall into the trap of spending the time he has given us unwisely. The biggest trap for me is my phone. And, oh yeah, I may be listening to Bible prophecy, um, checking my email and looking at the headlines of the Epic Times, signing to petitions, and none of those things are bad. But if they start taking away um, excessive time and, and taking away that time from the Lord that you can be spending with him in the word, then, um, you know, then that's not good. We need to be able to be quiet and listen to him. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. How can we be still before the Lord when we fill our time and mind with other things? Verses 3 and 4. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Past lifetime in this verse was the life before we were saved by the grace of God who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We now, having been born, born again, have a second life, a brand new life in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Before receiving God's gift of, fruit of salvation, we, have, we may have walked in the ways of the world. At the time of Peter's writing, about A.D. 60 to 64, the Greco-Roman culture walked in the sinful behaviors listed in verse 3. These behaviors, of course, still go on today. But then, back banquets lasted far into the night with heavy drinking, engaging in sexual immorality, and worshiping false deities, among other things. Banqueters often sought to become drunk. Although this behavior was not immoral from the Greco-Roman perspective, Jews and Christians condemned it as immoral. Because they didn't participate in the lifestyle of the pagans, 
They were characterized as lawless and undermining the existing system because of their alleged antisocial behaviors. It does sound familiar. <laughs> Nero's accusation against the Christians he butchered was that they were haters of humanity. Isn't that ironic? But that is antisocial. Today, as we walk in obedience to the Lord, we may be looked at as being intolerant and haters. Some say we aren't loving because we don't accept everything and everyone that is living a life that feels good to them. If we once walked in the world, friends, family, and neighbors who are in the world are unable to understand the change in our behavior. They may think we aren't funny anymore. A stick in the mud. And this is the good one. A real wackadoodle. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Um, and they, so they speak evil of you. It could be that they are uncomfortable around a believer who no longer indulges in their lifestyle. You've heard the saying, misery loves company. Some time ago on the radio, I heard an atheist say, say that because believers in Christ submit to God, they are in bondage. He was pitying the poor Christian and commenting that their submission was like having their hands tied. Well, he for one said he would never want to submit or be in bondage to anyone. And I was thinking how sad for this man that he doesn't realize that because of what Christ did for mankind on the cross, we have been set free. We're not in bondage. We are no longer under the bondage of sin that causes death, but we have given life through Christ. There is a reason why unbelievers don't get it, because they don't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Verse 5, They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Unbelievers who feel they can live their lives as they, as they please will one day find they were mistaken. On that day, those who denied the Lord will stand before him at the final judgment, the great white throne. This is not a trial to find out if you are innocent or guilty, but a sentencing, and the verdict is guilty. They will not be given a second chance. To those who don't know the Lord, this may sound harsh, but we have a choice to either accept him or reject him. Salvation is free to all who ask Jesus into their life. God is a righteous judge, and he administers judgment for the peoples in uprightness, according to Psalm 9-8 that we read in our study. Pastor Guzik, um, he, I wrote some, or something down here that Pastor Guzik says about that believer, um, we also will be judged. And he says that Christians will never appear before this great white throne because our sins were already judged in Jesus at the cross. cross. We don't escape the judgment of God. We satisfy the judgment of God in Christ Jesus. As Christians, we will have to stand before another throne, what we call the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, either good or bad. So we will be judged on what we have done with the time God has given us. Verse 6, for this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. There are four main interpretations regarding the dead in this verse, but the most sound 
interpretation is that Peter is referring to the spiritually dead. These are the ones that heard the gospel preached to them while on earth and were judged according to men or condemned and martyred on account of the gospel. The gospel was preached to them so that they could come alive spiritually. We should be living a spirit-filled life that glorifies God. In our study, we were told to read Colossians 3, 5 through 10, and 12 through 17, where it says to put off the old man where we once walked in disobedience and to put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge of Christ, or yeah, knowledge of Christ walking in obedience. So at your tables, um, there is a list of what we are to put on and what we are to put off. So each one of you will get one of these. And there's scripture verses to go along with it. And it would be good for us to review this list from time to time to assess how we are doing in our Christian walk. Do people see Jesus in us? Verse 7, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. One need look no further than that of our headlines today to know that we are in the last of the last days. None of us know just when Jesus will be coming for his bride. Until then, we should be prepared for the imminent return of Christ, which should lead us into a watchful pursuit of holiness. A watchful attitude reminds us that we are a citizen of heaven and we are only temporarily sojourning on earth. Romans thirteen eleven through 13, and do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now, our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. First Thessalonians 5, 6. Let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Matthew twenty five thirteen. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Mark thirteen thirty three. Take heed, watch and pray. For you do not know when the time is. All right, verse 8. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. We can show our love to fellow believers by forgiving their sins and not bringing them up, just not rehashing them over and over and um, being vocal about them. Proverbs 10, 12 says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Matthew eighteen twenty one through 22. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not, uh, I do not say to up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. People that are loving are willing to put up with insults or slander and to forgive those who wrong, wrong them. Verses 9 and 10, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold of grace. Not all of us have been given the gift of hospitality, but as Christians, we should be willing to open our hearts and our homes to others, sharing in the abundance we have received from God. Hebrews thirteen sixteen, but do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. 
I found some commentary on hospitality that I thought would be interesting to share. And I quote, Christian hospitality differs from social entertaining. Entertaining focuses on the host. The home must be spotless. The food must be well-prepared and abundant. The host must appear relaxed and good-natured. Right. (laughs) That's not me. Okay. Hospitality, by contrast, focuses on the guests. Their needs, whether for a place to stay, nourishing food, a listening ear, or acceptance, are the primary concern. Hospitality can happen in a messy home. It can happen around a dinner table where the main dish is canned soup. It can even happen while the host and guests are doing chores together. Don't offer or don't hesitate to offer hospitality just because you're too tired, too busy, or not wealthy enough to entertain, end quote. Not only are we commanded to be hospitable to one another, but to do so without grumbling. Philippians 2.14 says, do all things without complaining and disputing. Colossians 3.23, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. God has given each one of us a gift to use from his great variety of spiritual gifts to be used for his glory. Some people feel as if they have no special talents at all, but everyone has some gifts. If you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, you can pick up a spiritual gift inventory in the lobby. All of our abilities should be used to serve others and not to keep for ourselves. When we don't use our spiritual gifts, it is like a rejection of God's love and grace and a loss to his church. Once you know your spiritual gifts, pray and ask God where and how he would like for you to use the special gifts he has bestowed upon you. Verse 11 If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. The word oracles in this verse means an utterance of God, divine communication. When we quote scripture and expound on its meaning, we actually are speaking the oracles of God. Our words should be chosen wisely and spoken as if we are speaking the very words, oracles of God. Words are powerful. They can either destroy or build up. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. A couple of Sundays ago, Pastor Jim asked us to pray about scripture, a scripture verse that we could share with someone in passing, and how powerful it is to share scripture, pray scripture, memorize scripture, and to meditate on scripture. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and to joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. As we seek God on how to serve, he will supply us with the ability to do so. Those we minister to will see Jesus in us, and God will be glorified for the help they received. Matthew 5.16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. 
I've heard it said that we may be the only Jesus some people ever see. And that is why it is so important to live a life that glorifies God. So ladies, um, our uh, title was The Clock is Ticking. So what I would like, I'm going to give you some homework. (laughs) What I would like you to do this week um, is to make a list of practical ways in which you can use your gifts to live more fully for the glory of God. It could be hosting someone in your home, taking a meal to someone, donating to a charity, cleaning someone's home, volunteering, etc. whatever the Lord lays on your heart. And it doesn't have to be anything that's going to overwhelm you. Just begin with something small and work out from there. So the clock is ticking, ladies. So let's live these last days glorifying our Father in heaven. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord God, we thank you that you have bestowed upon us, each of us, Lord, a gift and gifts, Lord. You have given us so much. And I just pray, Father, that in these last days, we will not slumber or sleep, Lord, and not use what you have given us, Father God, that we will use everything that, um, that you have blessed us with and share with others, and um, that we will be in your word daily, that we will come to know you more, Lord, and that we will walk in the ways of you, that we will put off the old man and put on the new, Father. We um, thank you again, Lord, for this time. I ask that you will bless each group. May our conversation be pleasing to you, O Father God. I thank you, Lord, for the food that was brought today. Um, just nourish it to our bodies, and I ask that you will bless the hands that prepared it. We thank you again, Father. This is the day that you have made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Thank you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.